Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series, one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will discuss events from previous episodes. Especially in this one. Especially <laughs> in this one. Uh, I'm Harrison, and the Into the Woods character that I identify most with is the Baker's Wife. And I'm Jason, and the Into the Woods character that I identify most with is probably the one that I actually played when I did the show, and that's Rapunzel's Prince. It's like, you know, he seems to be an okay guy, but hey, you know what? He gets blinded to. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you did that one time. Yeah. <laughs> Harrison, what episode are we watching this week, even though we've both already said the name of it? Yes. We are watching... Here comes a fire truck. Oh, ah, my oh, favorite, actually, my an ambulance. favorite Buffy episode. <laughs> Here comes the fire truck. Uh, it was actually an ambulance, which is a a, a bit of a departure for for us. Um, we are watching Buffy season five, episode ten, Into the Woods. This is the one where Riley fucks off forever. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely reached the end of his arc. Fucking finally, <laughs> it was too long. Uh, Into the Woods was written and directed by Marty Noxon, pulling some double duty this time, and it originally aired on December 19th in the year 2000. Yes. Our last Buffy episode of the year 2000. Indeed, indeed. Um, this is also Marty's first, uh, directing, time directing the episode. Oh, okay. She's written before, obviously, but, um, and... Uh, listeners, go check out some of Marty's post-Buffy work, because she's done some really good work. Sharp Objects, in particular, I really liked. Oh, I didn't even realize that mm-hmm. she was, uh, did she, like, write that or direct it? Um, I think both. I'll look it up while the I mean, intro yeah. music plays. Yeah. <laughs> Marty uh, created the show, and she wrote the pilot, I guess, I I don't know if you'd really call it a pilot for a limited series, but she wrote the first episode, and co-wrote the last episode with uh, Jillian Flynn. Um, And then there were various other writers working on throughout. Yeah. Um, That's Sharp Objects. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Another Jay- fantastic Amy Adams performance. Oh, so good. So fucking good. Um, Jason, we are manly men. We're drinking beers. Yeah, got some brewskis. <laughs> um, uh, Thomas at the store. <laughs> so he couldn't make our drinks for us. I mean, I could have made drinks, but I was just like, eh, beer seems easy. Also, I mean, nobody really makes drinks like John. That's true. That's true. Um, so, Jason, for today's toast, right. I'm toasting Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the television show. There you go. Because on the episode, the day that this episode drops, just tomorrow for us and today for you listeners. Whoa, that's um, weird. Or in the past, if you're listening on the day. <laughs> if you're catching up. <laughs> uh, March 10th is the 25th anniversary of the premiere of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All right, welcome to Hellmouth, baby. Welcome to the Hellmouth. Um, yeah, so fuck. 25 years of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It can now rent a car. It can rent a car. Uh, go check out our, our pilot episode of Booze and Buffy and 
I'm, I, oh God, I'm sure the sound is just terrible. And <laughs> like, I know it's really. And, uh, and, and, uh, heads up, if you're just recently started listening to us, I'm not there. Yeah, Jason's not <laughs> there. Terrible sound quality. Um, it's like well over two hours because I, my, in my hubris, was like, we'll do Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest. We'll do all two parters as one episode. And then and I never did it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was actually a little bit how the sausage gets made. Gets made. We actually watched Welcome to the Hellmouth, recorded, stopped recording, went and watched The Harvest, and came back to finish the episode, <laughs> recording the episode. That, um... It was a long day. Yeah, that is a long day. Um... As far as I know, we've never done two episodes in one day since I've been here. No, I think and we did... We did two episodes once, but they weren't regular episodes. Oh, we did um, we did the unaired pilot episode, and I think it was our season wrap-up all okay, in one well, day. Yeah, but like that's not like... They were shorter. Yeah, that's not two Buffy episodes worth yeah. of content. <laughs> yeah. I also, um, back when I was like, oh, all two-parters will do as one, I was going to do, my initial plan was to do the first three episodes of season six, which is a, an opening two-parter, and then an, another episode that... Ties into it. Yeah, it just continues on uh-huh. with that. So I've always considered that a bit of a... I, I In my mind, that's like the premiere movie that like opens season six of Buffy and I was like we'll do that as one episode no no we will fucking not <laughs> um, <laughs> looking forward to doing it though yeah um it's a great opening for season six but we are in season five uh so but yeah a toast 25 years of Buffy uh at least on television uh one day we'll have to do the movie but yeah, <laughs> cheers cheers and you've not seen the movie right still no yeah I've only seen it once um Years and years and years ago with uh, Grace and I rented it and watched it. Um, and I actually have um, a novelization of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer film. Oh, wow. There's yeah. Christy Swanson in yeah. all glory. Yeah. Uh, Grace bought that for me for my birthday one year. <laughs> uh, I've never actually read it. I, I really should read it. I mean... Every every self respecting book owner has plenty of books that they haven't read. We're sitting in a room full of them. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so before we dive into this week's episode, I want to read that email that uh, I teased up last week. Oh yeah, from our favorite Meryl. Um, Meryl Streep, you're still on my shit list. It, it is kind of funny because uh, in between our last recording and. Uh, and this one, I have seen a movie with Meryl Streep in it. Uh, saw Don't Look Up. Oh yes. Um, and well, I have a uh, I have thoughts about that movie, and this podcast probably isn't the place yeah. for them. But uh, you know, I mean, Meryl Streep, she does what Meryl Streep does. She's very good. I also have thoughts. We watched it with John's family over Christmas because John's mom really, really wanted to watch it, and. Um, I have thoughts too that yeah I'm not gonna air them out here, but I will say the recur the like recurring joke throughout the film 
of Jennifer Lawrence being increasingly perplexed. Oh, about that guy by... who charged her money yeah. for the free snacks? That was very funny. It, no, it, it actually did. It, that, that actually was probably one of the few times I actually laughed yeah. in that movie. John was um, actually... Um, John said he was disappointed that it didn't come back one final time, like, right at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what was weird for me about that movie? Like, I remember... Um, typically and it's i think hbo got me in the uh, habit of this it's like you know at the beginning of something that you see on a streaming service it technically like does a quick little screen of oh this is why it has this rating yeah and i remember um it has like in a in don't look up it has part of its rating uh oh gra- this contains graphic nudity i'm like where are they going to fit that in? And I had like an idea, but I was completely yeah. wrong. And because like, it seems like the movie ends and you still like, where was the graphic nudity in that? And then it happens. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if like, I would have wanted to like, uh, Meryl Streep to be a part of that or not. Um, she obviously wasn't, uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's still an attractive woman. Meryl Streep can get it. I actually think Meryl Streep is more attractive now as an older woman she's one of the uh, i feel the same way about like sigourney weaver certain women really age well into their look not that they were unattractive i haven't when they seen were a lot of i haven't seen a lot of the earlier stuff that meryl streep has done so i can't i can't comment to that check out the laugh riot that is okay. sophie's choice <laughs> <laughs> um she's in kramer versus kramer too, she right? is in kramer versus okay. kramer she's very good in that all right um so anyway, uh, Meryl, our <laughs> listener Meryl, yes. send us an email uh, called the uh, subject line, The Dawn Criticism. And I do like that it's uh, all capitalized, like it's a t- like the title of something, The <laughs> I, Dawn Criticism. I appreciate that. Um, Interesting that we get this in, a, uh, in an episode that barely features Dawn. <laughs> that's, that's true. Uh, I almost thought about saving it for an episode where th- this, uh, this email references, but I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, Meryl writes, I think that the main Dawn criticism comes from the line, get out, get out, get out, uh, which is said twice in the series, once in season five and again in season six, um, or the fact that some people just have a dislike for younger characters in shows and they, as they feel like they takes after this, feel that it takes away from the story sometimes, excuse me. Um, I somewhat get it, but for me, it's not a major contractor detractor from the series. Meryl, I'm sorry that I can't read, apparently. Um, That's why there's so many books unread in his house. <laughs> I just buy them for show and <laughs> pretend to read them. Um, I, yeah, I, no, I agree with Meryl's assessment a lot. I think um, the get-out lines are pretty iconic. Um, I do... I find her get out in season five less irritating than the one she does in season six because of the context. I also can't remember like when it happens in season six. I'm assuming season five is like a no place like home. Um, no, it's, um, I'll bleep this out for listeners so you don't get spoiled, but it's the episode where she spoilers. And in that instance, I am fine with it because context. Yeah. Season six. I'll also bleep this out. Um, is spoilers. Oh yeah, and um, th- she's been real bratty in that moment. Um, yeah, um, and uh, but all right, back to the episode. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, just generally though, yeah, I agree. I think that some of the criticisms of Dawn are valid, but it doesn't. She, but I still like her. Yeah, she's in no way the worst character in the show. 
Um, and as we've mentioned several times when she's first introduced, she, uh, she was like, it, it did seem like Michelle Trachtenberg was having to play a younger character mm-hmm. than her age. And I mean, I feel like it's slightly noticeable if you're playing an older character, but, um, if you, and maybe even like slightly noticeable when you look at a CW show nowadays where mm-hmm. all the teenagers are played by 30 year olds. Right. But when it's a teenager playing a like 10 year old or lines intended for a 10 year old, that sticks out. Yeah. Like that is a, the older, the older you get, the less the age gap matters. It's like the younger stuff. It's mm-hmm. very noticeable. Yeah. I mean, that, you're right. Cause there's a big difference between 10 and 12 than between 18 and 20. Yeah. Um, and even and I think we've gotten away from that. I think we're firmly in like they know what age Don is supposed to be. Um, and yeah, and I think um, and obviously like without going into details of season six, I think um, I think season five obviously Don is uh, the key to the storyline. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but um, when she's like as integrated as she is, even at the beginning when it seems a little awkward. Uh, I feel like the explanation that we get is good, and I feel like it's delivered in a very well-paced way. Mm-hmm. Um, but and uh, I feel like her most of her contributions in season seven are also good. Yeah. But season six, she does have a an unfortunate plot line that um, really kind of results in her character just kind of being annoying, mm-hmm. like. Think of Xander season two of Buffy annoying. <laughs> um, and it's not that you want to hate her. Um, and it's not even the majority of her appearances. I feel, When I think of Dawn, I associate her mostly with season five and a little bit with season seven. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, and there's that thing she did in season six. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we respect Dawn on this. Yeah. And yeah, and I do believe that having a younger character in a show where the main characters that you've been following the whole time are growing up mm-hmm. and like really getting into adulthood that can like it's dangerous territory it is yeah that's co- that's cousin oliver territory um <laughs> ah but speaking of characters who suck let's talk about riley <laughs> and who gets sucked R- because you know suck jobs <laughs> i i told you i never heard wanted to hear that phrase again and that you knew that you were teeing me up to say I it in know. the episode i know god damn it god damn it <laughs> all right um so i didn't want to say this last week because um really on mic i said it off mic because all i didn't want to exorcist too <laughs> <laughs> um but i because I, I didn't want to tip my hat either way but they really really the end of last week's episode is set up like it could be a goodbye to Joyce. Like, yeah. the way it ends, it, it really feels like, hey, this might be the last time, you know, everyone's... And we are reaching, like, the mid-season break. Yeah. Um, and they play that up here in this opening. Um, the Scoobies are waiting um, very impatiently. Um, and uh, when the Doctor finally arrives, just get a zoom in on Buffy's face... Cut to credits. Yeah. Wow. Here's a commercial break. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You waited a whole week to see if Joyce was alive. Actually, I believe they waited a couple weeks because I think the last episode was uh, 
into November. I think you're right. So we waited several weeks to see if Joyce gets comes out of surgery. And they make us wait just a little bit longer. It's the Jon Snow effect. Um, um, but when we come back from commercial and credits, we learn that Joyce came out of the surgery uh, very much alive. The surgery went great. Um, and uh, barring any complications during recovery, she is going to be just fine. Yay. Huzzah! What a... As with Buffy, it's it's a nice weight off your shoulders. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately for Buffy, she's got to deal with other shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so while well, Joyce is staying in the hospital for a couple days, so um, Buffy ships Dawn off to Xander's apartment so that, uh, according to Dawn, she and Riley can have loud, obnoxious sex. Uh, Dawn exa- actually says so that they can boink. <laughs> well, she says boink first and yeah. then loud, obnoxious sex later. Um, and Anya's like, wait a minute, does that mean we can't? <laughs> um, Anya's so fucking funny in this episode. And, like, the bar for Anya is so fucking funny, yeah. but, like, damn, like, she's... Yeah, she, um, she especially drags Willow quite a bit in this episode. <laughs> so it's, it's really funny because I feel like we've, I feel like, um, in seasons four and five... We've gotten a lot of, like, Willow taking her shots at Anya and Anya, like, not hearing it. Yeah. But it, it's nice to see Anya fire back right? a little bit. I'm just like, no. You do not come into my shop and disrespect me. <laughs> um, I will come into this shop and disrespect Giles. But um, they do talk, uh, They do talk, however, about going to see a movie. Yes, a film that stars a chimp playing hockey. Which uh, is a real movie, uh-huh. and it is part of the Airbud franchise. It is a spinoff of the Airbud franchise, and it is the 2000 feature film um, MVP, Most Valuable Primate. And oh my God, it was a trilogy. Uh, I, oh, I didn't know that. Oh no, love that for that. I mean, there were so it many was Air one Bud theater movies. release sequel and one direct to video sequel, and he learns. Jack, who I'm assuming is the chimp, learns a different sport. The first one is called MVP2, Most Vertical Primate. Is he playing basketball? Um, I don't know. Um, no, he's skateboarding. Oh, okay. Here's, okay. The, here's the poster. Aw. And it is followed by... MXP, Most Extreme Primate. Okay. Which, uh, there's no Wikipedia page oh, for that. Damn. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I've never found out a film that I have wanted to see and not see <laughs> this much before. Uh, I remember when that movie came out, because I was like, I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, that looks fucking dope. And I guess, like, for me, it was, um... You know, I was, uh, I was 11 at the time, so I was probably, like, the whole, like, oh, kids movie, I don't give a shit about them. It's kind of one of the reasons why I missed, I originally missed a lot of the, uh, I think I just stopped seeing Disney movies in theaters after Tarzan, Mm -hmm. which I do believe came out in 2000. Yeah. Simply because, like, you know, I was a shitty kid who thought that, like, (laughs) he was too old to, like, enjoy stuff. Um... Well, that being said, I can't imagine my parents ever willing to put forth the money to go see Most Valuable Primate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was an era of Disney that you weren't missing a ton. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, you had Lilo and Stitch in there, which is really well, good. Um, but and like... you do have like a, what beca- what has become my second favorite Disney movie of all time, Meet the Robinsons. Ah, yes. Like, God damn it, I love that movie. Um, if y'all have Disney Plus, check out Meet the Robinsons. A actually, it's funny because my two favorite Disney movies are both kind of like hidden gems in kind of like not as respected eras of Disney. My first being like The Great Mouse Detective, but I believe both of those movies are worth your time. Again. Disney Plus. That's right. All right. Um, I feel like we've been dancing around the Riley of it all, though. <laughs> yeah. And we got to get into it. So, Riley and Buffy... Fuck. Um, it's... Gross. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Riley does uh, get Buffy to climax. So, yeah. I mean... Oh. <laughs> how else do you want me to say it? I, I don't know. Don't say climax. Uh, I feel like it's a little less... He gets her there. He gets her there. Yes, he he gives her a happy ending? There's no good way to say it. She comes. Okay, Um. there you go. Um, Yeah, and, uh, you know, respect. I feel feel like uh, it is a common, probably true stereotype that uh, since it's easier for men, most men to have orgasms than women, that, uh, you know guy gets off and then is just done with it so um i personally have never given a woman an orgasm so God, you, you're a rude motherfucker you i know am that <laughs> i uh, do not care about the pleasure of women but yeah this is uh... <laughs> i don't know why i found that so funny <laughs> I'm imagining like some random listener like for some reason decides that season five episode ten is the best at first episode to listen to, <laughs> and it's like this fucking asshole. <laughs> what a jerk! It, yeah. yeah. So for hair- that for that particular listener, I am a homosexual. Yes, he is very unconcerned about the female orgasm yeah. for a decent reason. Not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I trust women to do everything. <laughs> have sex with me. Um, I don't think a lot of women want to have sex with you. Oh, that's mean. Yeah, I, that, that was mean. I'm sorry. You look like an earlobe. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> You're just there. <laughs> there. All right. Um, they bone. They bone down. Um, uh, but I should say before this, they do talk about how. Um, he's like, you've been so tough. You didn't even cry. And she's like, oh, I cried so fucking much. And of course, Riley's just like, you didn't cry for me. She didn't cry for anyone, Riley. She waited till she was alone in a dark room doing dishes, listening to salsa music. Like any reasonable woman would. So we're probably going to get into this later. Um, I, I do think... Riley not being there during Buffy's moments and her not wanting to share those emotional moments with him. I think that's a legit concern to have. Yeah. And there's a better way to um, deal with it. Mm. Number one (laughs) being like, hey, let's talk about it. And, you know, now's probably the best time to talk about it because Joyce is out of the woods. No, you're exactly right. Like, his... Once again, I don't want to give him any space, but I have to because I have to be fair. Um, his feelings are valid. His feelings are valid. It's the pissy man baby way he goes about centering everything that's happening around himself 
and, it's shitty. And guys, if you ever find yourself in this, you find yourself in like uh, a relationship that, and I guess girls too, um, girls could probably definitely feel this way. If you ever find yourself in a relationship and you can't, um, and circumstances are like kind of not making it a convenient time to talk to your partner, then talk to your friends. This is why Riley needs friends. I mean, shit, he could have talked to Xander about this. Right. Because Xander, as is revealed later in this episode, is kind of clued into most of what's happening. Yeah. He and, sees it uh, right in front of his Xander face, Riley. Yeah, and like, I mean, yeah, you, you gotta, even if your partner isn't available, you gotta find somebody who is. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like if you are not as repulsive enough to have a significant other, you probably... <laughs> what a way to phrase it. You probably are also not. Re- you probably also are like not repulsive, in that you have at least one other friend. I mean, I would think. Yeah, it's just. I'm, I'm a little worried about like uh, people who are like in a relationship don't have other friends because like, who are you gonna who are you gonna bitch to? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's yeah exactly. He could have talked to Xander about it. He could have said, or he could have said, "Hey, Buffy, you know, I know that right now isn't a good time with everything going on with your mom, but." when things are calmer i'd like us to have talk about our relationship and the scoobies have taken riley in so he honestly could have talked to willow who he used to have like a pretty like decent friendship with Mm -hmm. during the initial courtship of buffy i mean and like god knows that giles probably would have like been a listening ear because you know that's what he does yeah he's not doing anything else besides (laughs) running the magic shop um, and Anya appears to be doing most of that work. Yeah. Um, Anya, you shouldn't talk to. She's not the one you're going to yes. go to for advice yes. uh, and, of um, this kind. Yeah, and like, uh, and as much as I love Tara, it, it doesn't seem like there's a relationship or really strong friendship at all between Tara and... No, um, I agree. I do think Tara would be a, uh, a font of good advice and wisdom, mm-hmm. but yeah, they just don't really have much of a relationship yeah. to one another um she's not even in his last episode um so um but uh they while the, uh, yeah while the doinking is going on the boinking uh <laughs> while that is going on unfortunately <laughs> spike's being a big old creep is <laughs> one of my favorite things that happened was we <laughs> We cut to outside Buffy's window, and it starts to pan down, and Jason just goes, Spike, please don't be out there. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> Smoking his cigarette. Smoking his ciggy, staring up at the window. But, um, I mean, it's important that he's there, because yeah. even after what looked like a pretty good lovemaking sesh, Riley is... Uh... <laughs> Gross. Harrison doesn't like the way I talk about sex. <laughs> Lovemaking. I, I, I feel like I feel like I'm saying it in much better ways than it could. Um, this is the last lovemaking session they'll ever have. Yeah, mm-hmm. isn't that sad? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Riley does um, leave the Summers house, which uh, you know obviously intrigues Spike. So he's like, "Ooh, I'm a follow mission." Um, yeah, he follows him to, uh, to the, the vampire den. Riley. Anyway. Yeah, you you know, you feel like with all those times being, like, in covert ops, he'd be a little more aware of somebody following him. Especially since he knows that 
Spike's been chilling around the Summer's home, like, all the time. Yeah, and dude, uh, maybe dude's not ready to go back into the army. He's just for stealth missions. No. <laughs> um, the next day at the hospital, uh, Buffy and Joyce are discussing wigs and scarves. It's all very fun. Yeah. Um, and Joyce is like, you don't have to spend time with me i'm fine and buffy's like no spending time with you and she's like spend time with your friends you gotta slay girl get the fuck out of my hospital room buffy you've been here every goddamn day that's that's joyce's uh internal monologue but she's like oh go hang out with riley get him just to take you to see a movie i hear there's a great one about a chimp that plays hockey <laughs> don wouldn't shut the fuck up about it <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, tell Xander I'm gonna fucking kill him for taking her to that movie um, Joyce is really annoyed with her kids this week <laughs> I'm sorry she's not there's nothing in this scene to indicate this animosity that I have created for Joyce this is a Harrison Spain fiction <laughs> um, oh I should start writing Joyce Summers fan fiction now uh, when you say fan fiction do you mean like uh, just stories involving Joyce or are they of like the stuff that would get posted on adult only sites? Hmm. Both. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should have like a special episode where we read we find like a Buffy fan fiction and read it. <laughs> that would be fine. Um I might be down for that actually. <laughs> um So, um, Buffy's like, I gave Riley the night off, and Buffy's like or Joyce is like, he doesn't think of you as a chore, and he's like, He'll be fine, I'm I'm sure he'll come around looking for bible study mm-hmm. and joyce gets this like a little smirk and she's like oh i'm glad to hear that you're making time for the, the lord, lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh joyce hilarious she's, she's like you, you've been doing the nasty i know it i know it um um later that night buffy is in bed asleep um Sleeping all natural. She's got her boobies out. <laughs> but this is not an HBO show, so they are covered by the sheet. Ah, uh, yes, the good old PG 13 uh, yes. chest cover. <laughs> and um, Spike comes into her room. Spike, boundaries. Knock. <laughs> Knock. <laughs> um, and he's or better like, yet, call. Because, yeah. I mean,. I'm assuming that Joyce is still in the hospital, so if you need to get a hold of Buffy, then call on the fucking phone, because yeah. she's the only one at the Summer's house. Yep. Um, but he's like, get dressed. I have to show you something. And he's like, she's like, fine. Turn around. And he's like, oh, I don't care. And she's like, bitch. And um, I, I did like, uh, I was a little concerned about this part, because... Um, it does look like Buffy just grabs uh, the sweater that she uh, is wearing in the next scene and just puts that on. No bra. And I feel like... I feel like I at least would have, like... Uh, now, I don't have any experience with breasts. Um, having them. Uh, <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> but it, it seems like if you're going to something that Spike is taking you to, the combat might be a thing mm. that happens. And, and you want to be supported. Yeah, yeah. Like, grab a sports bra, at least. I mean, I believe those are easier to put on than regular bras. Um, I, I, that, that's just, like, kind of what I remember from the 
from like a couple of girls who have like talked about that with me. Right. Bra- boob havers, let us know what type of bra is easier to put on. And also, like, um, do you ever feel like a little worried, like just kind of going like a, I guess chest commando. Chest commando. <laughs> chest commando there's gotta be there's gotta be a term for like not wearing a bra i think just braless is it okay or nips out that's what nips out no i do know like um i do know there are lots of girls that like just hate wearing bras in general um which makes sense because like they're typically like fairly like restrained on you from what i gathered and like that could be uncomfortable after a while Mm but uh like i said i i guess that would just kind of feel like me going out like uh without any underwear on and that's kind of like uncomfortable for me at the very least i'll just be like huh this is not the ordinary and uh don't want to like do any strenuous exercise (laughs) or activities no comment yeah i like like legit like thought about this a little too much i'm worried about buffy okay um so Riley takes her to the crack den. I mean, the vampire lair. Um, oh my god! What a clever, subtle metaphor. Oh gosh. And yeah, she he's like, look over there, it's your boy Riles, and Puffy is like, what the fuck? And she's it, it is out kind of there. Yeah, uh, but not before um a uh, a vampire tries to stop her, and she just like. Obviously, she's upset, so this motherfucker's getting tossed. Yep. Um, and that kind of clues them in on to, like, oh, it's the Slayer. The Slayer. Um, back at Riley's place, which I guess is still the fraternity house? Is that where he's living when he's not at Buffy's? I, I guess it was kind of hard to tell. It seemed like it could have been an apartment, though. Maybe. Um, but no, it, it is, like, Riley does... Riley obviously sees... Yeah. Um... Buffy seeing him and he tries to like follow her out and like the vampire is kind of in charge of this cracked in slash excuse me blood den uh he's like did you bring the slayer here <laughs> so that like eventually causes the vamps to scatter yeah uh bad news bears yeah and um spike is like was telling Buffy I thought you should know and uh I don't know what he was expecting from Buffy but uh he got nothing. He just pissed her off. I'm surprised he didn't get a punch in the face for Buffy. Um, that's that's her usual go-to. Uh, but Graham and uh, this army dude shows up at Riley's place um, because we, we've seen them earlier in the episode yeah. because uh, they They're were discussing demons. Yeah. in Belize. Yeah, and um, Graham is uh, talking up Agent Finn. Yeah. Uh, because you know, he's a uh, he's got some experience, and they're like, "Oh, what's a uh, what's keeping him in Sunnydale?" A girl. Yeah, a girl. Um. So yeah, they're like, "It's not the initiative. We're not hunting monsters to study them. We just want to kill them. Mm-hmm. Just and, love killing." Yeah, they're leaving the next day at midnight. A reasonable time to leave. Um. Well, I mean, they kind of got to be a little covert about it, so. They fly a helicopter in the middle of town. I know, but I mean... (laughs) They suck. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think this... I don't think this mission's gonna go well for any involved. I mean, Riley's perception is down. 
<laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb. Riley. I mean, I, I, I'd hate to think what would happen if you had to roll for initiative. Ah, fuck off. Come on, that was clever as All hell. All right, fine. B, B plus. <laughs> oh. Yes, passing grade. Uh, so we get this extended scene in the magic box where uh, Willow bullies Anya, basically. Um, they've ordered too many chicken feet. And she's like, hey, what if we do, like, a, a, promotion. a promotion for Christmas uh, or a holiday promotion for yeah, all um, of your... Yes, this is great because uh, I do love that um, Giles is hanging up a sign. Yeah. And it's like, says, oh, make sure that, uh, or like, FYI, um, Christmas, Hanukkah, winter solstice, like, it's got this banner that says like is coming and uh, it has like kwanzaa and then it's like the last thing which is something i'm sure was made up for the show but it's like a like a demon or um ascension or something like that nice. and uh yeah i thought that was funny because they like super inclusive nice. uh, yeah. banner i love it um they um yeah, she wants to include one with every purchase, and Giles makes like an side comment, and Willow Jones on, and Anya's just like, "Fuck you very much," um, uh, and she makes a very good point where um, she's like, "Hey, I do all the work around here." Willow and Willow's like, oh, "I help," and Xander's like, uh, "You know, Anya, go easy on her. She's getting you're getting paid. Willow just does this for uh, on her own free time," and Anya's like. Yes. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy life to come here and get in the way of mine. <laughs> Which is... Um, I'm all about... I'm all on Anya's side here. Her idea is good. Um, and they're all being kind of jerks to her. Yeah, and she does actually kind of call him out like, oh, I get it. Make fun of like the ex-demon yeah. who hasn't been a human for very long. <laughs> She's newly human and strangely literal. Yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, it's really funny that, like, it's chicken feet, because I actually did, um, find, uh, I recently discovered, like, a use for chicken feet in oh. cooking. Um, chicken feet, like, uh, kind of have a, uh, a bit of, like, a gelatin in them, uh, and, like, connect, in their connective tissues, and, uh, if you are, for instance, I found this recipe, uh, for making bone broth, mm. and, um... It's, uh, obviously, like, if you're making bone broth, the traditional way is to, like, have it going on a, going, like, a big old stock pot for, like, up to, like, 48 hours, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you don't want to have a, um, a boiling pot, a simmering pot going for two whole days in your house, <laughs> understandable, um, you can actually use a pressure cooker and put in, like, all your bone broth stuff. But then, like, um, to give it, like, a little more of the gelatin that you would get from, like, the breakdown of, uh, like, your connective tissues and your bones and your, uh, like, meat and everything, you can actually uh, just throw in, uh, like, one or two chicken feet. Oh. And uh, that, like, and then, like, you uh, typically only have it going for about two hours in your pressure cooker. But that provides the, uh, that provides, like, the gelatin that's needed to, uh, you know, make the uh, broth, like, able to be stored better. Oh, that's uh, pretty cool. But yeah, so, I, it, that's, like, the first thing that I thought of when they were talking about the chicken meat. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Um, so after they finish bullying Anya, um, Buffy comes in. She's 
fucking pissed. I wonder why. And <laughs> she tells them what she found, and Anya and Giles explain that, like, oh yeah, that's totally a thing. Like, vampires who uh, humans pay them to drink their blood, and um, Buffy's like, why the fuck didn't you tell me this was happening? And he's like, um, I didn't know it was happening here. I've not seen this in a very long time. And he's since like, his Ripper days. Since his Ripper days. Hashtag Ripper. Um, he's like, also, I maybe wouldn't have told you because there are, you know, other people, people. in actual danger of dying from demons yeah. that need your attention more. Um, and honestly, I... I forgot that he had said that. Yeah. I was expecting him to say, like, oh, because, like, you know, you've been busy with your mom and everything. But no, he, like, flat out says, like, yeah, these people are, like, going for a, um, like, these people are going for a transaction. Yeah, he's like, they um, are participating in this of their own free will. Yeah. It is dangerous, but that's why they do it, is they're trying to, like, get off on the dangers. He's like, I mean, we've got bigger fish to fry, I'm like glory. Yeah, I'm trying to decide discern maybe if this is like anti-sex worker Mm. um hmm i feel like that's been like a topic especially as of late in um you know our current society Mm -hmm. it's a very it's difficult right when you're dealing with i mean obviously monster as metaphor obviously buffy is um buffy is angry because Riley's involved in this. Yeah. I kind of wonder, like, if she would be less angry or even angry at all if Riley wasn't involved in this. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you're right. I think she'd see it the way Giles does. Mm-hmm. Um, um, also, but... also, it seems like... A, I feel like this is the first time it's explicitly said that they do this for money. Yeah, the because, last time... Yeah, because the only time we've seen Riley do this, there didn't seem to be, like, a monetary yeah. transaction or anything. Yeah, not that we saw, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but, yeah, she's like, y'all are coming with me or not, but I'm fucking going. Um, uh, and then Buffy and then... commits arson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go. Uh, Anya stays behind, and she's like, bye, don't get killed. Um... But the she says that in a really nice way, especially after like they were just kind of like bragging on her. Yeah, maybe the next line we didn't hear after it cuts away is "Sorry, I could kill. I don't fucking care." Don't <laughs> <laughs> um, get killed, Sander. <laughs> <laughs> Willow, you can die. I don't give a fuck. You know, I obviously the um, the the focus of this episode is Buffy and Riley, but it is interesting that they chose this time to also bring Anya and Xander into focus Mm -hmm. but like it's obviously a secondary focus and at first it kind of seems out of nowhere but I'm kind of okay with like the end result yeah uh, the way they the way they tie in Buffy and Riley's relationship with Xander and Anya's relationship and how they both end this episode the relationships end each the episode in very different places than they started in polar opposite ways yeah. um yeah and and i will say that um the next episode of buffy um deals a lot with the relationships between uh buffy or willow xander and anya mm-hmm. it's called triangle mm-hmm. um and they were the be, three it might, be a, it might be a special episode yeah I think. Yes. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll have some guests maybe we can say <laughs> um 
But yeah, the vampires have fled the nest, and Buffy's like, fuck this, and lights the place on fire. She commits some light arson. Well, it's really funny because I was thinking, like, uh, because I did notice that the fire was still going in, like, one of the bins, you know, because that's what happens in a cracked blood den. Um, And uh, I was like, oh, man, they probably shouldn't have let that go in. That's a fire hazard. (laughs) And then, of course, like, a couple minutes later, Buffy kicks it down and sets fire to the place. Apparently Buffy was the fire hazard. (laughs) Um, Riley shows up at Spike's crypt, and he's like, fuck you, Spike, you piece of shit. I should have killed you. And... Spike's like, fuck you. And they're like, fuck you at each other. And then uh, Riley stakes stakes him. Cut to commercial. Cut back. Spike is obviously still alive because that was never a real thing (laughs) that was going to happen. Riley has a... Riley has a plastic stake that looks like wood. Where the fuck did he get that? Where the fuck did he get that? The only thing I can think of is that maybe it was a Halloween costume piece. Okay. Um, But then again, this is December, so it would have to be like discount Halloween. And, um, or maybe he was, maybe he just didn't like Spike and was saving it for an occasion like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they have this talk where Spike's like, you know, Buffy thinks you're boring. She needs a little monster in her man. And, um, Riley, Riley tries to be like, oh, you, I know what's going on. You're in love with her and sucks to be you. And Spike's like, fuck you, sucks to be you. Um, and then they're, yeah, he does kind of point out the whole, like, uh, he realizes he can tell that, uh, oh, you get to be with her, but you don't get to have her. And, um, very, uh, very patriarchal tone there i'm just gonna say but uh yeah it's like they're possibly kind of just going through the motions at this point yeah um at the magic box buffy is beating the shit out of the punching bag um riley comes in and he talks to anya and willow and he's like hey anya and xander and he's like hey do you mind skedaddling so I can talk to her. And for a second, I was like, sir, that is her place of employment. Yeah. You cannot just ask her to leave so you can talk to your girlfriend. But then Anya says that it is after hours. And I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe. And she uh, she references um, a couple of uh, Z- uh, Zonda. Z- Zonder. Zonda or Anyer. Zonda. What are you doing? Xander and Anya. Oh, I was like, what? Are you having an, I, are you having an aneurysm? I was like, why are you? I, I heard that. Um, I was like, why are you pronouncing Xander's name so weirdly? I, I feel like Zonda's probably the better way to go um, because aneur just sounds really close to aneurysm, <laughs> and uh, that, that that's not done. Uh, but yeah, and uh, they talk about their sex capades, and uh, and uh, Anya's like, hey, maybe we should go home and have some, and uh, but Xander's like. No, I got something I gotta take care of. What does he do? I mean, obviously, the thing he has to take care of is talk to Buffy later. I think he anticipates this conversation not going well. 
Yeah. So you think he's and, just hanging uh, around? Yeah, like, I think so. Standing outside the, the magic box with a cigarette. And he's like, I guess I'll spike do this once. And he looked cool. <laughs> I feel like if Xander even attempted to smoke a cigarette, he would just, like, throw up. Yeah. Um, Riley starts making a bunch of excuses. He's like, I wanted... He's First, he's like, let's talk. And Buffy's like, fuck you, no. And then he... Ugh, he grabs her. He does this multiple times. Ugh. And I, I was so happy when Buffy finally is like, take your hand off of me. And I was like, yes. But he makes uh, just so many excuses. He's like, I, well, I, you let Dracula bit, bite you, so I wanted to see what that felt like. And she's like, I didn't fucking let him. It was borderline sexual assault, sir. And he does, uh, he also brings Angel into it. Like, um, oh yeah, that's what Buffy and Angel were doing all that time. Uh him uh him biting her yeah. it happened once one time yeah you fuck one goat uh, <laughs> yeah he's just it's it's all bullshit like it's yeah it very much is um it very much is him trying to not take responsibility despite the fact that he's like no no like it's my fault and everything but all the shit that he's saying to justify what he did Really does come across as like, oh, it's kind of like on you as well. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Buffy's immediately like, don't you dare put this on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's 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 just so hard to be sympathetic to him at this point. I, 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 I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I would have been I would have been sympathetic if he took full responsibility for this. Yeah. Because he's like and, and yeah, and if he said like I could I felt like I couldn't talk to you, um be like, yeah, I didn't try to talk to you about this or I didn't try hard enough. That's on me. Say that. Yeah. Because that's true and also it's not like shifting the blame onto Buffy. Yeah. And he um and yeah, and he brings up like the people like the two vampires that have uh drank buffy's blood and i'm like oh yeah that's a good way to win that's a good way to like win a um an argument with your uh with your significant other bring up her exes right uh it's it's, yeah it's so shitty and he's like he's like those vampires they needed me in a way that you don't it's like dude just break up with her then like i uh, you know, I get it. Buffy is awesome. And it I would feel like shit if I was dating Buffy and she clearly did not feel the same way about me. But like you know what Martha Jones did when she was in love with the doctor and she realized that he was still hung up on Rose? She said, Peace, yo, this is not good for my mental health. I'm out of Riley, he's like, if you don't prove to me that you love me. After I did all the shit that I'm now blaming you for, I'm going to Belize, bitch. Yeah. Ugh. Another another great strategy for uh, an argument with your significant other. An ultimatum. Jesus Christ. I, I Honestly, to me, there are very few things that are like deal breakers in a relationship. There are, I think most things can be worked through with communication and trust an ultimatum i i that's that's a big huge no for me yeah um um yeah it's just it's so shitty it's so shitty no we'll say i think that um at one point uh 
Buffy does kind of oversimplify things a little bit <laughs> because she does say like, oh, that's what this is about. You, you're, you're mad because I'm stronger than you. And that does take a little bit away from the legitimacy of Riley's feelings. Uh, I'm not saying that how he goes about it is legitimate at mm-hmm. all in this scene, but um, that's like, but I mean, she has one misstep. He has several. Yeah. He is completely offbeat to this dance. Yeah. And I don't even think that she's wrong. I think you're right when you say it's an oversimplification. Yeah, yeah. Like that's... It's part of it. It's part of it, but it's like, it's not the only thing. And it also kind of um, is a tad demeaning almost. Mm-hmm. And again, not a great strategy for when having <laughs> a an argument with your significant other. Don't be demeaning. Don't be an asshole. That goes to both Buffy and mostly Riley. <laughs> yeah. Um, Look at me giving espousing wisdom. Maybe not relationship advice, but fights in relationship yeah. advice. Um, yeah. Buffy leaves. She's like, fuck this noise. I'm out. She is immediately set upon by the vampires uh, from the, 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 the den, the blood den. Um, there's what like 10 of them that seems about right um it's i would say probably like the largest number of like vampires buffy's ever had to face off on alone by herself mm-hmm. before and <laughs> it's no problem for it's her. no fucking problem and it's it, it is funny that like in season one you know this would have been like holy shit how's buffy gonna get out of this um and in season five i'm let i'm obviously feeling less like that but i'm still like this is a I mean, this is a good number of amps, and she, but she's just like well, not we, having we also it. Also, kind of been like put on edge after she like had that uh, run in where that vamp staked her. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, girl is girl has the anger focus going on. It's a great, uh, it's a really really good fight scene. It's one of those ones that I always love when, um, uh, I guess I'm gonna call it like no quip fight beast mode yeah where she's just like so fucking mad that like she doesn't have time for her usual puns um and my favorite is she when she like she has like a big long broken piece of wood and she gets like three in a row like zigzag zig i was like god damn the uh, the guy who's running the den like kind of makes a leap at her and she like crouches down and gets him midair yeah and then she sees like the last vampire left scared to death of Buffy she recognizes her as the one who was giving the suck job to (laughs) to Riley and at first it's just like whatever and it seems like she's gonna let her go but then she reconsiders it and hurls that stick like a javelin and yeah her aim is true yeah and this is this scene I mean it's an awesome fight scene and it is it does kind of come back to your question of like, is this anti-sex work? And like I said, it's the trouble when you get into monster as metaphor. <laughs> they, um, I don't know if it's deliberately anti-sex worker. Like, I don't think anyone was go- in the writer's room. I don't think yeah. Marty Noxon was like a fuck them prostitutes, but like, it's definitely there. there, there there's no awareness. Yeah. Like it doesn't have the aware- awareness that we, I mean, cause I feel like, Honestly, the resp- the general respect that is given towards sex workers now, I feel like that's something that's rather recent. I'd even oh, yeah. say, like, maybe as recent as, uh, like, on the scale that it is, maybe as recent as COVID, because, you know, 
that was a big industry that took a hit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess it does help that they do attack her. <laughs> yeah. Um, Xander sees all this and he's like, hey, I would have given you a hand, but you clearly did not need one. Xander, what were you going to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you for saying it because I was about to. Um, yeah, he basically is just like, yo, I know you've got, you and Riley have problems. I, it's been, it's super obvious to me. Um, and this is frustrating because a lot of what Xander, I think Xander has, a lot of what he's saying has legitimate merit. Um, but I think there's also some stuff going on, which I mentioned while we were yeah, watching the he episode. he brings up Angel. He brings up Angel, and I feel like, and this seems like a lot of projecting, because I obviously see Xander putting himself in Riley's spot, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, maybe he's kind of like throwing the same concern that Spike mentioned of like, oh, Riley's like uh, this great guy and you're it seems like you don't want him in your life or you want him because he's like dependable like State Farm yeah uh, but you um, but yeah it's like you're not passionate about it because he's not like a demon yeah. of some kind I think what really makes this ring false for me is that he he keeps being like Riley's great he's a once in a lifetime guy all this stuff and he's not like that's the thing it's like yeah and I... he's kind of been calling riley out on some of his shit yeah. too so yeah it does i get that probably his main concern is his main motivation is concern for buffy but i also feel like you know this is a moment for xander as well mm-hmm. and uh i think he um I just really don't like him bringing up Angel because it really just kind of seems like, oh, this is like the best guy. Like, this guy's so much better than Angel. Why aren't yeah. you keep staying with him? Like, God damn it, Xander. Get the fuck <laughs> over it. Yeah. And also, now, I will say, what he does say near the end of this whole speech that I really, really liked, she tells him about the ultimatum and he's like, okay, so if you want him to stay, tell him to stay. If you don't, let him go. And I mean... God damn it. I mean, he's right. Like, yeah. that's... Um, and that part works more for me than this, like, shilling for Riley. He's so great and you treat him like shit. Um, is this, like... Yeah, make a decision. Like, you're... Like, do you want this I, relationship or not? Yeah, and the whole, like, uh, oh, you treat Riley like shit. That's not a... Um, I don't think that's a fair statement. No, Because I... I in at none of this... In none of, like, this deterioration of their relationship did I ever feel that Buffy was being in- intentionally bad towards Riley. No, no. Like, she's obviously been dealing with Joyce. And, um... I don't think there was ever once when she was like, Riley, stop being, like, a fucking nuisance or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, it does, it does ring false. Yeah. Um, and what rings the most false for me... Buffy's like, oh, right. She runs yeah, after this I, fucking helicopter. I hate this ending um, because... I just don't buy it. Yeah, it, it kind of like... Yeah. 
it, it kind of almost leaves it in the air. Like if Riley had just turned his head to the left, then he would have come back. And then like the whole relationship was there. So like, Oh, this is like a, a tragic love story. Um, I mean, what, uh, what one could take away from it in a better light is that, um, Riley didn't look back because he doesn't want to look back. So maybe he's actually over it more than Buffy is. I think that that might be like reading a little too much, but I, I no, it's a good read. I think I, I just think I just don't believe Buffy running after this helicopter. I, and I, I think the episode would have been stronger had she decided like, no, yeah, I'm going to let him go. Maybe showing the, uh, the helicopter take off and her being like far away from it. Yeah. I think that would have rang truer to Buffy's character. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, Buffy is but 20 years old. Um, not even 20 yet. She's still 19. Um, so, uh, you know, so there's a part of me that's just like, I'll give her some space for being yeah. very young. But yeah, it just... No, it, it doesn't... Re- and... You know, we give her that space, but I feel like, especially in this season, but I'd even argue in season four, like, whatever their ages are, these relationships are becoming much more adult. Yes. um, In their depiction. So I think it's okay if we talk about, if we kind of, like, disregard their ages almost, because once they've, like, reached the, okay, we're now firmly in, like, the college out of high school phase... Mm -hmm. I think it really just kind of just let's throw the whole thing about them being like 18 or 19. Let's have them act like they have, they're having their relationships in their late twenties. Thank goodness. We don't have to pretend that charisma carpenter is 19. anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. So, um, but we do get a scene that I really, really love where Xander comes home to the apartment and he tells, uh, Anya, how deeply, deeply in love with her that she is. Because even more of a, uh, even more evidence that Xander was kind of projecting when yes. talking to Buffy. Well, and I, I, I really like that because Buffy does call him out. She's like, he's, cause he's like, you treat him like an, like a, like he's convenient. And she's like, that's how you fucking treat Anya. Um, and I do like that he basically takes from what he's seeing with, uh, Buffy and Riley and says, that's not what I want for me and Anya and, and goes. Yeah. And I think, um, and I love that. Yeah. And and I think, uh, I think that Buffy, while she might be wrong in that he feels that, that that's the way that he feels about Anya. I think he does feel something deeper, but I also feel like he's never expressed it. Yes. So now that he explicitly expresses it to Anya and tells her that he does love her like in this this feels like the real I love you Mm -hmm. and um she like she just loves it yeah it's a really sweet scene yeah um and like Emma Caulfield doesn't even have any lines but she just her reaction is just so uh, so good Mm -hmm. um and they kiss yeah um and then uh Buffy goes to her sad dark house and is sad in the dark while uh while riley's face is like superimposed over it 
mirroring the um the similar shot at the end of Who Are You with Buffy and Faith, mm-hmm. which is just confirming more Buffy Faith queerness for me. <laughs> Fair um, they've only ever done this with love interests. Um, and yeah, that's that is the end of the episode. It now, is um, who is the um who is the person that the uh, that the episode's dedicated to? Well, let me tell you. Okay. Uh, according to the behind the scenes on the Buffy Wiki, uh, the in memory of DC Gustafsson at the end of the episode referred to Gustav Gustafsson, uh, what a great name, um, who was the lead man for most of the first four seasons of the show. I don't know what that means. I'm assuming some sort of crew member. Mm-hmm. Um, Gustav was apparently a close friend of Sarah Michelle Geller uh, and died during filming of the series at age 41 after fighting cancer and AIDS. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's rough. Um, but uh, but it's still a sweet memorial for, for a friend of the show. And I always... Uh, a, um, uh, a good... I always get choked up at a, at a in memory of... Uh, uh, didn't matter how much I disliked the movie. Uh, when I got saw that... Uh, memory of Carrie Fisher at the end of Rise of Skywalker, I was like, oh! <laughs> in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was Into the Woods. Um, you know, despite the Riley shit, like, I do think this episode's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah I feel like um, the subject is not something that I'm a huge fan of, but the content that we get is... Yeah. It's good stuff, and you know, I, I like that. Um, the like the ending of Buffy and Angel's relationship, one of the the multiple endings of yeah. Buffy and Angel's relationship. Those are like kind of marked by big epic moments. Whether it's like Angel losing his soul, or um, you know, like we uh, we have to fight the mess, like we we have to fight the mayor. Um, and then I gotta leave. So it's all like it. It always feels like it's kind of surrounded by that big mm-hmm. stuff. Whereas this, Riley's a human. It does seem like a more human way to go about things. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so it, it fits. Um, and I mean, they got they had to get. Well, I'm not a big fan of how they got there. They did have to get rid of Riley. Yeah. Um, he was not a huge. N- not a huge uh, like for the fans at this point. No, and really just dragging the show down. Yeah, um, it's it's really like, why are you here? I mean, I feel like <laughs> multiple characters have asked him that in this season. Yeah. Like, why are you still here? Um, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it's like it's annoying how we got here, and the story itself hasn't been my favorite. But I do think it's told well here. You know, yeah. I, I do think Marty took what she was given. Yep. And did a good job of crafting an episode around it. Um, good job, Marty. It's not an all-timer for me, but I um, I mentioned in a previous episode, I was like, I don't know if any episode of the season, of Buffy season five, is less than three stars for me. And I'm I, knowing consciously that this episode might be the one to be like, uh, we'll see. Um, but I actually feel pretty comfortable giving it a three. I was thinking of three as um, well. I feel like, um, and a lot of that is goes to the credit of, um, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar, 
Mark Lucas and um, Mark Lucas is probably doing the best work he ever yeah. does on the series in this episode. Yeah, um, because they give him stuff to do that's not <laughs> pointless. Yeah, um, and uh, and also to like a lesser extent, Nicholas Brendan mm-hmm. and Emma Caulfield. Yeah, uh, but no, they um, they're putting forth like their best efforts, and Marty Oxen is as well. And uh, yeah, like I said, you're making something re- you're making something palatable out of something that normally wouldn't have any interest in Mm -hmm. so yeah it gets the it gets the three for that for all the effort put in (laughs) and uh you know the end result being decent yeah three three magic beans out of five three chicken feet out of five um yeah i don't think i have any other the um that memoriam was like the only really interesting trivia i think um and yeah guys this is the last time we will see riley um uh yeah um let's get out of here all right let's flee let's leave town like riley does thank you you beautiful beautiful people for joining us on booze and buffy we'll be back next week with angel season two episode 10 reunion hey fucking stoked (laughs) um I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at YamiJ357 and on Twitter at just plain old YamiJ. Yes. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those instances, A and D. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you get your podcast mm-hmm. from. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. Um, this week we are highlighting the Palestine Children's Relief Fund. Um, so last week we talked about Ukraine stuff. And uh, I, I, upon reflection after the episode, I was like, you know, talked about Ukraine. But we did not bring up similar stuff happening in areas like Palestine mm-hmm. and Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and, uh, you know, so I was I was like, oh, doing a bit of checking of myself and doing some anti-racist and anti-bias work and making sure that we're not just feeling sad for white people when their lives are in danger. Um, well, I think um, I wouldn't necessarily uh, claim you had that bias. I feel like we brought that up because it was very much in oh. the in the like it's that is what is the forefront of the news but indeed yes, stuff is bad stuff is happening all over the world yeah um so i just you know i just want to make sure that we're not uh even you know unintentionally mm-hmm. uh putting that out there or not putting that out there in this case um so anyway the palestine children's relief fund was established in 1992 by concerned humanitarians in the usa to bring injured and sick children uh to bring, sorry, I, the sentence was confusing for me. Uh, to bring injured and sick children for free medical care they could not get locally. Since then, they have sent over 2,000 2, sick and injured children for free medical care, as well as sponsored hundreds of volunteer uh, medical teams from all over the world to treat tens of thousands of sick and injured youths in local hospitals. PCRF was also has also built two pediatric cancer departments in Palestine and has several more major programs and projects taking place to help support the development of a sustainable healthcare system there. 
Visit www.pcrf.org for more information. That was a mouthful. Yeah, it was. Um, also, 11th hour here, uh, I, I have to put in a bit of a correction from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I was scolded while I was editing last week's episode by John uh, when I said that the name of the drink we were having was a Corpse Revival. It is called Corpse Reviver. Okay. Uh, so uh, I literally was editing and I was like, this drink's a Corpse Revival. And he just in the other room, he goes, Reviver. <laughs> so uh, correction made. All right. As always, go slay. And especially if you are in Florida, be gay. Indeed. But also everywhere else, too. Yeah. Be gay everywhere. In the streets. <laughs>